to Good News Sessions Podcast, a podcast where you hear the truth about God's love towards you, your identity, and all things good news. You will leave feeling equipped and inspired to share your own good news with the world. I'm your host, Nick Hatley. Super excited to be back after a two-month hiatus. It's been a while. I have been on vacation. I have been doing some camps with my church. I've been having a blast um, dealing with a couple of other things, but all in all, I'm super pumped to be back, and I have a very special guest today on our podcast, today's episode. We're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart, something that I personally um, have struggled with, and I know that a lot of people struggle with, but we're going to be talking about grief, and helping me with that conversation is my good friend, Corey Ahern. Corey, welcome on to Good News Sessions. Thank you, sir. How are you? I am doing wonderful, man. It's so great to see your shining face, and I'm glad we could finally set this up. I feel like that's a commentary on the fact that I put on too much face cream, but that's fine. Yeah. That's, I'm literally shining right now. I feel like you put just a bunch of like baby oil on your face right now. That's not far off from the truth. <laughs> That's fine. Well, man, I'm I'm so pumped to have you on, and we've been planning this forever, and we've been trying to nail down dates and things. We've, just... we've been planning this since before you were doing a podcast. Yeah. We've been planning this since it was a, uh, a Facebook page with short posts, and I was like, hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? We've been planning this since then. I remember because we had Zoomed on... Yeah. We did a Zoom call, and then we had talked about it, and, and you've really encouraged me, honestly, um, because you have an amazing blog post that you do. And Well, thanks, man. And, and it's really great, and why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Um, tell us a little bit about you, man, you know, where you're from. Um, yeah, a little bit about your, about your background. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm, you know, like you said, I mean, I'm Corey. That's the long and short of it. That's... Uh, I'm originally from the West Coast, which I've been in Texas for over a decade, and it kind of surprises people still. And then I start talking, and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But no, I was uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, spent a little bit of time in uh, Seattle, uh, raised outside of the church, which is weird because we're you know inside baseball we're actually recording this at my church we where are. i where i work so uh yeah born and raised uh just straight up uh atheist and now i'm a ministry leader at my church and i'm a dad to a beautiful little eight-year-old girl and yeah i mean that's i feel like that's the nuts and bolts i've been all over the place uh just job wise and stuff but now i've been doing this for uh getting close to a decade You've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I've been at my church for 11 years, uh, literally since my second week in Dallas, and I've been on staff for, I just celebrated my eight-year anniversary. So, yeah, hot minute. That's awesome, man. I love it, too. And um, the cool part is we go back. You know, I, I'll never forget meeting you back in 2011 at my first job, my first real job, Dick Sporting Goods. Yep. In, no, I was, so okay more inside baseball right like five minutes before we start recording this i go to uh wash up and i'm sitting there thinking like okay we're gonna we're gonna talk it out at the beginning and and catch up on you and me and i was like the question's gonna come of how far back do we go and i was like wait i didn't even think about the 2011 part i thought i was 23 when i met nick and I'm 33 now. Wow. So that's bad news for me. First, not because we've known each other for 10 years, but because I am 33 now. Well, I'll be 30 next month, man. That's true. But when, let's put it, this, no one knows this who can't see me. But when we first met, I couldn't grow a beard. Nope. And, and, and your now, hair was longer. My hair was longer. I couldn't grow a beard. I was also like 40 pounds lighter. Like, that's I was true. Yeah. You sure were. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, brilliant 10 years yeah it's been a hot minute i'll never forget one of the greatest or really for me honestly you were probably a, one of the best influences on my life working there now you probably don't remember but the first time we had an interaction was maybe you know my first week or so second week and you were bringing a tennis racket back 
to restring. That sounds bad. And that sounds right. That's I, I asked you, I was like, is it Corey with a C or Corey with a K? And you said, wow, no one's never asked me that, that before. Is tr- and that was true. No <laughs> one had ever asked me that. <laughs> and then you answered, you're like, Corey with a K. I was like, awesome. And then basically from then, we just, yeah. we, we became really good buddies. No, we did. We did. And uh, I remember when you moved out to the uh, uh, East Coast when you were out in Florida. Oh, yeah. And I remember like, because we bumped into, well, not, we didn't bump into each other, but it was intentional. Right. Like, we met up when you were there, when I was there on vacation. And I just remember thinking like, it had been such a loss when you left Texas because I'm so married to Texas at this point. And I remember seeing you there and thinking, man, I wonder what that friendship would have become. And then you ended up back here, and now here we are. Exactly. And that's the cool part about God bringing people in your life. I think sometimes we can sort of shy away from – I don't want to say like shy away from friendships, but we're not intentional with people that we've met you know, that honestly, like you, that are great people. And the cool part was it is we, we stayed really intentional about that. And even after the second time that I went to Florida, uh, and then when I came back, that's when we really sort of started building an even better, you know, foundation, which has led to an amazing friendship that we've had since, what, 2000? I mean, since 2011, but, I mean, yeah. just, you know, more No, deep. really consistently since, I mean, it was— 2015-ish? Uh, 15, I, I, 16. 16, but I, I don't even know if I've told you this. I'm, I, we had this interaction, you probably remember it, but as far as what road it set us on, of it was the first time you and I had lunch in 2017. So 2017, just a little bit of my backstory is I had uh, gone down the road into being a nurse, which you know. Yep. Uh, and I had very recently— January of 2017, dropped out of nursing school to go into full-time ministry. I'd been working part-time in ministry and then transitioned into full-time ministry. And you and I had lunch shortly thereafter, and that was my moment to be like, you will never guess what happened. And before, I think it was before I had even told you what was going on with me, you had said you were interning at your church and were starting to give serious consideration to like your own ministry and really not just embracing your faith in a new and more serious way, but stepping into like, does God have a calling on your life for some form of vocational or bivocational ministry, which obviously part of that has transformed into, into this. And I just remember thinking, oh, this isn't an accident that God has both of us here in this moment where we both transitioned from how we used to think about work and calling, Yeah. Uh, that now we both are wrestling and, and engaging with the idea that, that it may involve supporting the capital C church and right. the local church in some really intentional ways and just thinking, man, I got to invest in this guy. But beyond just our friendship, like I, I got to be the voices for him that I didn't have of being like, yeah, you can do this. Absolutely. And so that was, that was a capstone moment for us. It was great. And then from that lunch or dinner that we had, and then we just continued. I'm pretty sure that was Chick-fil-A. I'm pretty sure that was a Chick-fil-A lunch. It was. And then we did Velvet Taco a few times. Yeah. Which by the way, just anybody listening in, if you have not been to a Velvet Taco when you come here to Texas, please go to one. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag Definitely not, not sponsored. sponsored. They are not sponsoring me to say that, but I want you to go eat there. <laughs> I but, do too. I want everyone to go eat there. Yeah, it's so good. But that led to so many great conversations about, um, you know, really, like I said, growing deeper and you sharing your story about your faith and, and how you really almost had a rediscovery, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so let's go ahead and, and, and get into that. So um, I think this is a good segue into talking about, you, you know, everybody that listens to my podcast knows that this is this is a faith-based podcast. And this is the first time I'm hearing about it, but we can go there. Yeah. We can go there. <laughs> but tell, tell us a little bit about sort of how you grew up in the church and how that whole process brought you back to where you are now, so to speak. Yeah, so there's there's a few uh, moving parts to that, but, uh, you know, like I mentioned, so I had been raised outside of the church and on the West Coast in Los Angeles, very easy to be pretty militantly atheist, which, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, some of my best friends wouldn't consider themselves believers uh, for, very, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I know for me, uh, that didn't fit a lot of uh, who I was probably kind of destined to become, but also who I was 
striving to become. And a lot of it for me, too, was it was a free pass to um, do things I shouldn't be doing, you know, let's just say. And so, yeah, as I grew up at, at 16, I had a I had a mentor who had been kind of planting the seeds of the gospel in my life. And I went through a, a pretty rough transition. I grew, like I said, I grew up in Los Angeles. And after 16 years of growing up in Los Angeles and 11 years in the same school system, my family moved up north uh, to Seattle. Well, not Seattle, uh, to be very open uh, and really descriptive. Uh, if anyone wants to pull up Google Maps and look up Whidbey Island, uh, it's not the smallest island in the world, but when you imagine growing up in the suburbs of Los Angeles and then moving to Whidbey Island, it's a bit of culture shock. Sounds like it. Yeah. And I was very isolated and basically had to deal with myself for the first time and just hit the bottom of myself because uh, I couldn't hide behind all the, the stuff to do, all the people to hang out with. I was in a retirement community on a cold, wet rock on the edge of the Pacific Ocean. And yeah, Christ caught up with me. Uh, and He'd been trying to do it for years, no doubt. But I think it was the first time that I that the facts came through and I actually read it. A fax machine for the younger people out there is a way that we used to send communication <laughs> to one another. Remember I said 33 earlier? I'm yeah. showing that now. Uh, yeah, it's the first time I got uh, that. I read I read the text message from Christ. That was the first time. <laughs> so, yeah, and then just spent a lot of years dealing with myself through some really hard circumstances. Not the hardest, but just had a lot of friends who were hurting when I was a young believer and kind of had to look them in the eye and decide what I was going to believe, what I was going to be tempted by, things like that. And kind of where that that capped off uh, was I eventually moved back to California to engage with the community of believers that had kind of launched me into my faith, but who I had to leave behind. And I re-engaged with them and um, met a girl, and uh, she was from Texas and then ended up here and, and... yeah, I, sus- I and I suspect that's uh, that's where we're taking the story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are. Yeah, so uh, yeah, when you talk about uh, grief, that's uh, a lot of where I would say up until then I'd very much been experiencing definitely difficulties of growing up and growing pains, but I'd really only experienced the victory of Christ. Right. Uh, lots of, you know, I remember I lived in. Washington for uh, three years, and they were probably the three most formative years of my life. And I remember at the end of that, I was reflecting. I've been hard. I didn't have any close friends. I'd lost my grandmother during that time. But I remember that uh, you mentioned my write, and uh, when I was writing on my blog at the time, the way I summarized it when I was trying to kind of make sense of what was this three years of my life about, my summary statement was, I had to be on this island and be alone and go through these things and and struggle and fail and reconcile with myself because it was the only way that God could make so much nothing into so much something. Wow. And that was kind of the how I defined what I'd been through as I launched back into California. So I was really walking in a lot of victory. Uh, went and, you know, lived with some buddies joined my first church. Um, I wouldn't say had good jobs, but, you know, for for a 20-year-old guy at the time, I was getting by on on the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, where, where grief kind of enters the story is, you know, as I mentioned, um, I met a girl. I fell in love. Um, and grief kind of intersected my story because uh, she unfortunately had um, an undiagnosed mental illness at the time, um, or misdiagnosed, I should say. And I embarked on a journey to uh, do life with her, and that's part of why I moved to Texas. The cost of living in California was kind of getting to me, but... Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, even back then, that's... That's that's that 2009 money, and that's still bad. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I moved out here kind of on mission. My church in California actually, kind of knowing the full story, and knowing there was this girl, and a little bit of her story, but also knowing uh, how my faith had developed. They launched me. Like, they prayed they prayed Timothy over me and, uh, you know, the verse about, you know, don't let them despise you for your youth. They prayed that over me and launched me out and 
one of my really close friends at church, a guy named Peter, uh, told me I reminded him of, uh, of Joseph in Egypt. Wow. And I was like, oh, man. That's powerful. Like, yeah. It was the first time anyone had said anything like that to me, and I was like, man, I kind of always – at that point, I kind of always looked at myself as a uh, Saul still on the road, blind, uh, on my way to good things, right. but not quite there yet. <laughs> and so it was the first time that somebody had said, like, no, you're going to go out here and have an impact. You're going to go out here and change things. And I did. I want to say I didn't. I mean, like I said, I've been at my church. I mean, I've obviously got great friends. Uh, you guys can't see, but I gestured towards Nick. That was that was a that was a reference. <laughs> but yeah, grief intersected my story because I uh, I had some unhealthiness in my own self that I hadn't dealt with. Uh, you know, a little bit of a desire to fix broken things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a need to validate myself through that. And so when I met someone who had brokenness in their story that was partially uh, rooted in uh, unresolved mental illness, I was very drawn to that. And so I went through a a three-year courtship, um, which I thought was appropriate for being 21, 22, 23, and then 24 when I got married. And so, yeah, I went through a three-year courtship, got married, uh, and, and the long story short and was essentially uh, seven years later, I was divorced, uh, which is, that was in 2019. Uh, and by then I was uh, a father. I, got, I mentioned my little girl earlier, so I was a, a father. And, um, you know, there's a lot I could go into. Uh, I'm, I always want to be very sensitive to the fact that uh, mental illness is, a, is an individual story to tell. Right. It's not my story to tell. Um, but I can just tell you the, the long and short is that it had been a long, uh, emotionally and mentally abusive marriage. And in the course of a, for how I experienced in the course of basically a month and a half, I went from having a very, uh, normal life as far as how the world saw it. They didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, but, uh, how the world experienced it was I was a, uh, a young man in his early 30s, who had a good job. I was a ministry leader. Uh, I had a really cool story of dropping out of school and doing my dream job for my church, and I had this beautiful little girl and, a, and, a, and an attractive wife and, and a house in the suburbs, and uh, within a month and a half, I was uh, a single father. I was um, having to wrestle with how the Christian community can sometimes not know what to do with divorce and divorcees. Yeah. And my world just uh, essentially collapsed in around me. Um, I was having to wrestle with myself. I was having to wrestle with um, who I was, where I'd been, who I'd been doing life with. Uh, every time there's, you know, there's a loss like that. And uh, it, it always brings up the question of, for others of, you know, what part of this is your fault, uh, even though I'd kind of been left behind. And so there was just a lot all of a sudden where this this life that looked very much, people probably looked at my life and thought it was, a, it was I don't want to say the American dream necessarily, but it was, it was a lot of what we look at in the church and a lot of the people kind of put up on a pedestal yeah, in the like, church. Yeah, that person, they, they got it all. They got it. Yeah. All right. Even even if not that person, just like that's a family. Like that's yeah. a family who's got it together. Right. Like, um, and and it all kind of just burned down all at once. So, yeah. So, I went through all of that, uh, and there were just a lot of questions along the way about uh, is God good, and what does God want. And did God make this happen? Did God choose this for me? And having to wrestle with those um, while in the context of, like I said, becoming a single parent. Right. Of taking on ownership of a house, uh, which sounds great until you realize, you know, what it takes to upkeep a house. Yep. I remember, just to give you a sense of kind of how the grief hit, I remember – you know, I mentioned there at the beginning that it only took a month and a half um, between 
as far as how I experienced it, stuff had been going on behind the scenes, but how I experienced it was there was a confession of uh, some things that had happened to damage the marriage. And uh, less than a month and a half later, uh, she had separated, she had moved out. Uh, and really, I, I, there was a safety component to that too where I had, I had asked for that. Um, and it ju- just a week after, less than a week after that transition, my shower started leaking. This is the dumbest story, but <laughs> uh, but my shower started like my I couldn't turn the spigot all the way off. I would turn it, and it would just drip, 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 drip. Well, I don't have money to get it fixed, and so I'm having to figure out how to fix my shower on my own. And within two hours, I am in the bathroom screaming at the bathroom wall <laughs> uh, because like a pair of pliers had snapped and and then two minutes later I was just in the fetal position on the floor of the bathroom just in tears wow my daughter's at school I'm supposed to be at work uh, and instead I'm failing to fix a shower uh, which is part of a bigger narrative of I'm failing to fix my life yeah you know Nothing I'm doing is fixing my marriage. Nothing I'm doing is fixing my reputation. I'm just kind of in the middle of this storm of what's actually happening to me and then an outer layer of what people think of me now. Uh, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was an incredibly, incredibly bleak time. So I know, you know, we had talked about it personally, but even just what you, what you just mentioned, I, I believe, you know, grief can be a catalyst for smaller issues to become larger than we make them to be because like you said one thing goes wrong we can sometimes feel okay well everything else just must is going to go wrong it must be you know and then you know it causes you to to really question well what good is there for my life if everything that I thought you know was was good and great is falling apart and like you said, cause you to become, you know, angry with God or those questions. And the good part is, is that God is not scared of our questions, right. you know, uh, through that. But but talk a little bit about what that process was like in finding, I want to say, what, what mattered most to you because i know we've talked a little bit about it yeah but yeah so yeah i I think i want to i i like to tarantino things you know start at the end and then work backwards i love it yeah so what i would tell you is i'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who now uh spoilers has arrived at like the fullest truest version of myself um but yeah the the road to that was through grief and for me i would even say that was the only road available and that was exactly um you know here's the tension point right is god doing bad things to us well of course i would say no Uh, my theology would tell you no my experience of god personally would tell you no but god will use the bad things that come for you right that's true Uh, god is a god who loves us enough to give us free will which means that you know my ex-wife was free to make the choices she made and then I was free to make the choices uh for how I was going to walk through that wow and um what some cool things happen in there and and I hope this is an answer to your question but you know reel me in if I go off on a on a, on the deep end but uh, what had happened for me is you know I mentioned earlier that I walked into my marriage um not trying to fill a hole of like acceptance or anything but definitely having a desire to uh fix and heal and love on someone who had some hurts in their past i think that's all great and beautiful and um there are friends i even have now who i know they're they're dating people who are in that position and i wouldn't discourage them from that if it's someone who shows signs of wanting to heal yeah i didn't know to look for that kind of stuff and uh where i ended up uh, when the marriage was dissolving was essentially having to deal with uh, whether or not I loved myself. And it was a question I had uh, never really asked. And uh, frankly, and this is somewhat of an indictment of the the modern church, 
Um, but I didn't think it was a question that had been dealt with very well in the church either, the capital C church, not specifically any church. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously to get really into theology, which I have to, I'm a ministry leader, so I kind of have to do that at some point, but it's in the contract. But there's this issue that we talk so much because we live in a uh, very self-focused society that I think the church uh, to some degree, rightfully, gets a little nervous about talking about self-love. Yeah. And so, uh, in my experience, at least this isn't true of every church, but in my experience with the American church, we are very hesitant to talk about the last part of the greatest commandment, which is the words, as yourself. Um, we talk a lot about love your neighbor, and we we say, we say the whole verse, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, but we don't talk about um, that there is an actual need and an actual part of that commandment is to love yourself well. And I'd really deprived myself of that and had spent um, basically my entire Christian walk at that point so focused on loving my neighbor, um, knowing full well that it was coming at my cost and actually making that choice for myself. Uh, I very much had a complex of because I had grown up very selfish and leveraging my 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 beliefs at the time um as a non-believer to take advantage of people um i'd stolen from people i had lied to people i'm not just talking like white lies like i had manipulated people to get things i wanted out of mm -hmm. them that i kind of felt like my christian life was supposed to be so focused on others the pendulum had swung too far the other way essentially i'd gone from only caring about myself to almost only caring about others and so walking through grief was this place where I saw myself more clearly for the first time. Uh, and what that unlocked was a realization that I'm deserving of love. Yeah. Um, and that God had been offering that all along and had even at times been trying to steer me away from some of the things that I loved, that I chose to love even though they were harming me. But it also meant that I could choose self-advocacy. I could say no to other things if it meant saying yes to myself sometimes. Um, now what that didn't create obviously was a, uh, a blank check. It's just always say yes to me. Yeah. But it was the first time in my life I had ever considered not just, um, if I should love on myself, but whether or not scripture actually calls for that. And so, yeah, uh, as a long winded, uh, kind of response to what you said, yeah, I had grief became the only road that I could walk because I, I'm stubborn, and I'm smart, and so— Very I, true. Okay, well, <laughs> you didn't have to say that to both of them. But. Super stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> Less smart, more stubborn. That's—you know what? That's actually fair. Um, <laughs> but I am so stubborn about the three things I am smart about that I come across as very smart. Very, yep. <laughs> so it— for me, and I don't think this is true for everyone, but for me, um, I had to be broken of that. And so that may be just true of me, but I would, what I think is true for everyone is that the catalyst for that was grieving well. Yeah. And, you know, uh, grief is this thing that, um, so I see a, a counselor, and which, by the way, I recommend for, for everyone. Absolutely. There, if there's any stigma over that, which I know there is, um, counseling is this amazing gateway to really just having an advocate yeah um well it's an opportunity for 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 you time because they're there for you well not just you, yeah you, know. you time which is obviously something we could all stand to to carve out healthy us time yeah but it's also it's essential i i think there's a you know there's a belief that it's for somebody who's in a crisis or or has some kind of disorder uh where really counseling is signing up to have a, a healthy self-advocate, somebody who is trained and equipped to not steer you into narcissism, but who is trained and equipped to build you up to a place of loving yourself and then having healthy boundaries. And so I, I say that to say my, my counselor uh, depicted kind of the stages of grief for me. And we've, we all know there's, I shouldn't say we all know, but there's five stages of grief right. is the idea. And I thought of them as a linear process. You walk from one to the other to the other. And he and I uh, came up with this idea that 
uh, it's like you look inside of a dryer and you know there's the fins that like help beat the clothes dry <laughs> well the five stages of grief are like uh the like a dryer with five fins and when you're when you're going through something that induces grief yeah you're kind of that sock that's left in the dryer and sometimes you're just bouncing randomly between the steps you know you go from bargaining to anger to denial not in a linear fashion and then sometimes you get stuck on one of the fins and you spin there for a hot minute um and so that was how i experienced grief um it was not linear and what that did for me was it became this this pathway to reconcile my experiences of life which had been for 10 years very trying and very difficult and and abusive with who god was and what he had wanted me to experience and then um what god had to say about me and there were there were two things that happened there when it comes to grief there was how i chose to walk through it which how you how you choose to walk through grief i think is one of the most telling things about your true character i know a lot of people who've walked through grief very well who i'm heartbroken to find out afterwards that because of what happened to them they have negative self-image when really the way they walk through grief to me showed who they really are and they are some of the best strongest uh, most sanctified people i know and so i think uh seeing how i walked through grief um and i fought for my marriage till the end I took on the burden of being a single father um, with love and with tenacity. I chose to keep engaging in my friendships. I, I fought through the perception of my community to continue to lead in the local church. And I, I'm, I'm hesitant to have said all that because I don't want to make this about like, I'm so great, but that was all by God's grace and God's strength. Right. Um, Cause I remember even reflecting later when I was writing my blog and I, I remember that what I was dealing with at that point is there was a part of me that had not ever really believed. I think this is how I ended up in the situations I did. Um, I didn't really ever believe that God had really, um, I think the words I used were that my heart had changed, but I was still convinced my heart was a bit of a swamp. Mm. It's just a different kind of swamp. And what God was trying to tell me was, no, I've redeemed you. I've made you a new creation. You're not perfect, but to use Paul's words, I'd put on the new man. And I didn't, I did not believe that until I saw how I walked through grief. And so because of that, because of how I walked through grief, so that's, I was saying there's two parts of the whole grief thing. There was how I saw myself walk through it. But then there was also how I saw it uh, impact my community and how they showed up for me. And I saw people love on me the way that people should love on each other and that's powerful yeah i i got to see you know people take care of my daughter when i couldn't people just volunteer to just watch her over summer break uh when i had to work i had people who were staying up on on the phone with me until three in the morning the day i found out my ex-wife wasn't coming home who just stayed up with me while i just wept um and it taught me a lot about how lovable I was in the eyes of others because yeah. I had struggled with that. Uh, you know, we joked earlier that I was a string bean who couldn't grow a beard. Um, <laughs> and you would be right to guess that I was probably bullied growing up. Uh, I was. I was a skinny uh, computer programming, non-athletic, uh, and did I mention skinny, um, person in a time where that was not like the cool thing to be like it is now. And that's neither here nor there, but what it meant was I had never really properly wrestled with, um, A, like I was saying before, self-love, how I, how a person should be loved, and I had never seen it done because I had been in a space of being abused. Yeah. And so in that moment of walking through my grief and having a community that was willing to walk through it with me, I was able to discover God's value of me, community's value of me, and I was able to grab hold of it and finally kind of once and for all decide I have value and I deserve to love myself. That's powerful. You know what I love about that too is because when, when, well, for one, the gospel, the gospel is a great, 
it, it's so great that it allows for self-examination, yeah. but not only self-examination, but it's through God's lens of you. Yeah. And I, I think that's so powerful because your story and just the redemption through that, you know, sometimes I'll hear a lot of people um, say, you know, where's God? And, you know, today's society, like, where's God? God's left us. God's left the country. But I'm like, no, God hasn't went anywhere. God is, he's in the people that were there with you at 3 a.m. I mean, he, he was, he's there in the friends that yeah. are taking care of your daughter. You know, if somebody loses a loved one, he's there in the people that are there to console you in, in your time of need. Yeah. You know, and, and I think when you paint that clear picture and understanding, and I always think back and, and everybody uh, that listens and knows my favorite, you know, verse Romans eight twenty eight. all things are working together yep. for the good of those who love them. So when you put that verse, when you insert that verse in your life, that gives you the perspective to know that we know we're going to have trouble. Oh, 100%. We know we're going to have problems. Not, we don't know what it's going to be. Right. You walked through a divorce, and and I just, it, it was, it was the words I'm trying to use. Is I didn't want to say, not that it was ugly, but it was. I think you could use the word ugly. Okay, well, was, I'll, use was, the, I'll use the word ugly. Well, well, and what I will say is, um, let me help recapture that. Uh, ugly. When we talk about ugly divorce, we tend to talk about like the legal proceedings, right? Not not, not that kind of ugly. Yeah, not that kind of ugly. ugly for the fact that it was people got hurt, right? Um, and ugly for the fact that we're not built for that, right? You know, we're we're built for the garden. We're built for unity, for reconciled community. We're it's the same thing I think of when I think of a funeral. It's like why do people cry at a funeral? if they really believe that somebody has gone on to meet eternity. Well, it's because ultimately we know deep inside in our heart of hearts, if God's truth is written on every heart, everyone in the world, if we're all made in his image, then there's something inside of us that tells us that we're not built for death. Yeah. And divorce is another one of those things we're not built for. We're not built for relationships to end. We're built for relationships to go in seasons. You know, we see that when Paul and Barnabas go separate ways. Um, but we're not built for for relationships in the kingdom to end. And so that's the ugly I think you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. And watching you walk through that and watching you navigate that, I, I hope people that are listening in, you know, hear your story and and know that ultimately that there's hope in whatever they're facing. It might be divorce. It might be, you know, I know for a lot of people— the whole world, I mean, these past two years have been just out of whack with COVID. Oh, yeah. Things happening. We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. And, and people trying to make sense of well, where's where's God and all of this yeah. sadness and this grief. But I'm here to tell everybody, and this is the reason why I do this podcast, It's it's a reminder to always understand that you can trust God. Right. Yeah. You can't always make sense of what's going on down here in the physical realm. Right, right. Right here on earth. But that's why Paul says, hey, set your eyes on things above. Because that's when you realize your spirit seated in heavenly places. Yeah. Right. Then your mind can catch up to that reality. And then you're able to talk about what you've been through. Yeah. Well, and it's also important. I'm going to add on to that. We're talking about personal victory, right? Like I would be. I would a little more inside baseball. We talked about like what we were going to talk about before. And I was like, I'm not, I may not bring this up, but I think it's, I, I'm going to bring it up. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm engaged uh, to marry a woman who is the best person I've ever known in my life. No Congra offense. Nick. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that is very sweet of you to pretend you did not know I was getting married. Um, <laughs> but, but that's not the victory. Um, and I think that's really important to mention um, because we're talking about personal victory and we're talking about God's victory in a person's life who is in the process of grief. And I think a lot of people, to your point uh, with the COVID, like going to talk about the COVID situation, right? A lot of people 
um, are grieving because of interpersonal loss and they are looking to interpersonal victory for where they'll find renewal. And I think a lot of times what God's working on through grief is our personal renewal. Yeah. And so I can say on the other side of, to your word, an ugly divorce and on the other side of um, more than two years of being a single parent um, and over two years of, of not running from my community and having to rebuild my reputation and having to uh, sit with people as they reassess what they're going to think of me that that here on quote unquote the other side where I could go well now I'm getting married again and that's the victory that's not the victory right and, and that's where I, I think I don't want people to get stuck the victory is in what changed between God and I yeah and that's here's powerful. a fun fact God doesn't change yeah so really what changed between God and I was me I I embraced a new level at which I will allow God to love me, mm. right? Um, whether wherever your theology lies on the subject of, you know, free will and all that stuff, everyone on that spectrum agrees that we have a free will for how we receive, uh, how much we receive God and how much we receive His teaching in our just our day to day life, right? And that was what was new for me, and that's the victory I want to point people to. I know way too many people who they're stuck because they're looking for the victory of the next relationship, yeah. the victory of the That's next good, job, man. the victory of of being healthier. And those are those are great things. Right, right. Um, those are great things in the context of them being healthy and God-given and not being, um, not being things we use to cope. Yeah. Right? But that's not the victory. Yeah. The victory is in embracing a fuller reality of God's love for yourself and of God's love for the world. Man, that's so good. That's uh, so powerful. Personally. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, was the triumph of grief. Because um, we've, we've, I don't want to say we've glossed over, but obviously this is a, you know, we have the time we have to discuss it. But uh, my, my divorce ended up leading to a period of time that was essentially 16 very dark months um which if you think about it is a significant fraction of the life i'm going to have on earth right that's not that's not a small amount and there's lost time in there there's mistakes made there's perpet there's hurts that were uh, what we would consider unnecessary right, right. people just getting hurt for no good reason uh, and and yet wrestling with the idea that it was all worth it because of how much more I understand God and who I became through embracing his love in new and better ways. I love that. And that's that to me is what I would want to point people towards is not the if you walk through grief well, what can you get out of it? It's if you walk through grief well, who can you become by going through it? And that's powerful, man. That's so profound. Gives me chills, you know, listening to that and I think to your point it, it just like you said the character of God being unchangeable but he's always drawing you near isn't it crazy yeah you know we're the ones running away and he's the ones that drawing that he's drawing near to us and I, and I think you know for anybody listening in um, to understand you know the good news behind this you know this is the good news sessions podcast and the good news that God loves you doesn't matter if you're if you're in a marriage, God still loves you. If you've gotten divorced, God still loves you. Yep. Because I think to your point, what you said earlier, you know, the capital C church sometimes kind of puts those people that have been divorced, you know, kind of on the back burner. They're kind of just kind of pushed away. Yeah. You know, we don't want to. Yeah, we don't really want to talk about them or. You know, and even sometimes, even for me, honestly, you know, as a single guy, sometimes I can even feel like even single people. Oh, absolutely. You know, are absolutely. Kind of, and and that can be, you know, that 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 could be its own topic in itself. But um, you'll have to have me back. We could talk yeah, a lot about we could the lack of single, the lack of healthy singles ministry in the modern American church. <laughs> I would love. I could to I could do a dive that. on that. <laughs> but like I said, that that's the capital C. But to 
have that understanding of the deep well that God is, knowing that you're loved, and reminding yourself of that every day. And yeah. I know that's something that you do. And I would encourage anybody listening listening in to to please practice reminding yourself daily. You know, how many promises are in the Bible? I don't. Who knows? Uh, too many. No, I'm just kidding. I know someone knows. Somebody but knows. There's, there's a lot. Guys, I dropped out of school to go into ministry. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> Nick's looking at me like you've got the answer. Like I dropped out of nursing school to go into ministry. You You're did. Not that's gonna... why I brought you on. No, the no. <laughs> no. Yeah, let me crack open my King's James version and <laughs> count. But you reading those over your life, especially when it comes to grief. I mean, that's helped me so much to, to be reminded that, that God is, is in the seasons of my life always, the good and the bad, and uh, that's so profound. So, Well, I would even just, if I can add to that. Absolutely. Uh, we, that's a good word, and I think what we say a lot is, don't forget God loves you. We point back to God's love. But I just want to, you know, remind everyone what, what, that, what love is, right? Because love is such a it's almost such an overwhelming and all-encompassing word that we can really forget the nuance of what it means. But to me, from how I experienced God's love in grief and through grief, it was the idea that God still wanted what was best for me, even when the world didn't, Mm. even when other people didn't, even when the people who were supposed to love me the most didn't, that God wanted what was best for me. And then to flesh that out even further, it was the idea that God wasn't done making me into a better newer creation every day um there's a lot to love um sorry that means how there's a lot about me to love there's a lot (laughs) to the concept of love yeah and we could if we recorded on that we would never stop yeah that's the beauty of love this would go on for years right uh (laughs) we'd be dead in the ground and and the computer (laughs) would still be running but i think what i want to really nail in on when it comes to grief and how what can be unlocked through going through grief is when grief strips away when you are that sock bouncing around in the dryer there's you're losing fluff you know a lot of that that fluff that's on you is kind of coming off that process getting caught in the lint trap uh, i'm really stretching this analogy at this point but <laughs> the but the idea is when you get to that stripped down place where you may only be elastic at that point is sometimes where God can do his best work. Cause a lot of that fluff that we build up is what the world says about us. And in my case, and I know in many people's cases, it's what we say about ourselves. Yeah. And grief, if we let it do its job, not wallow in it, we let grief do the job that it's, it needs to do for the time that is right for us, for what we're going through it can strip away so much of that and leave us in a position where, to your point, we can receive more of God's love. And what I'm talking about specifically is God's love in the form of the fact that he's not done with you. He's not done growing you. He's not done sanctifying you and making you into a newer and better creation. Um, I think that is the, the quintessence of what I learned going through the grieving process and mourning what had happened to me, but also my own shortcomings that had led into that, the choices I had made was that God still wants better for everyone and where I don't want people getting stuck. And I think if there was, you know, kind of a strong encouragement slash caution I could give, it's, it's the idea that what God is really after is making you every day into a newer and better creation. I have no doubt that God is at work in the hearts of others and all that and is, is firming up his church and building his church. Or, or the scriptures tell us that, but we also see evidence of that. But when you talk about somebody walking through the personal experience of grief and what God is, at, God is at, up to, I think that's the heart of what it is. Yeah, it's, I love it. It is growing them into a new and better understanding of God, others, and self. And I, I really focus on that last one because that that's not everyone's struggle, but that yeah. was my personal struggle, was I think I had a pretty good image of who God was and a pretty good image of the value of others, and I had missed self-value. So I would say that anyone 
should try and get a good idea of where their deficit is between their value of God, others, and self, because that's what the that's what his greatest commandments point us to is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. That points us to God. Love your neighbor. That's others. As yourself, that's yourself. And wherever your deficit is, I think mourning will point that out, but will also be the bridge to a greater understanding of how to love where your deficit is. Wow. That's powerful, man. I love it. Well, I want to ask you, we have something here on the Good News Sessions podcast. I say we like I have anybody else doing this thing with me. Um, do you <laughs> need a co-host? speaking it into existence. Hey, I think an opportunity might be opening up very soon. I have something I like to do on our Stories of Hope segment, which I don't even think I introduced to this Stories of Hope, but this is what it is because this truly is a story of hope. But this is where you have an opportunity, and really, you, you've done it already. I think that was a good, if I could have segue you into that. But I'm still going to ask sure. you, because I, I want people to know, share your your good news in the context of, on the other side of grief, on the other side of the season that you've been through, um, for somebody that is could be struggling with something right now. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I love this, because I'm... I'm you're 100% right. I'm totally going to be repetitive. But this also gives me a chance to – I have ADHD, so a lot of times I say my point the first time in a very uh, jumbled way, and then the second time I make my point, it's like, man, print that. So it just gives me a second chance to say the same thing. No, I would say to that question of what's on the other side of grief, like what, where is the hope, it's, it is a version of yourself that you will love – like you've never loved before. Wow. Uh, what I went through, I didn't change a lot as far as who I was. What changed for me was that I spent six, so I was 16 when I converted, and then over the course of my time back in California, meeting my ex-wife, and then the period of grieving that followed, that was another 16 years. So I spent half of my life running from God, and then I spent half of my life looking at God and going, no, 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 no. Don't love me. Like, don't give me that love. Because I genuinely believe that if I received self-love, uh, it would poison me. Because I had grown up so selfish, I thought, oh, man, if I get love, I'm just going to take advantage of this, and I'm going to fall back into my old ways. When God was like, no, 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 you have a changed heart. Like, I, I did that for you. Mm-hmm. So now, when I got to the other side of that, what I found was the truest, fullest, freest version of myself man that's so good um it is so hard to capture and i'm even frustrated myself in in this moment of it's so hard to paint a picture of that to make somebody fall in love with but i hope that somebody listening somebody who eventually hears this who is sitting there going even if it's just a quiet whisper they've heard in their heart that maybe there's something lovable about them will have the thought maybe there's a lot lovable about me. Maybe I can be used for the kingdom. Maybe I can be used for relationships. Maybe I can be used as a husband. Maybe I can be used as a father. Maybe I can be used as a mentor. Those were all things that I wasn't sure about until I walked through grief and found hope on the other side. Wow. The hope was... I am the new creation that God made. It wasn't a it wasn't a trick. It wasn't a false belief I had that when I thought I was saved and God said put on the new man, it it wasn't an accident. I wasn't wrong that it had happened. It had really happened. I really was the new man. And if I really am the new man, what does that mean about how I love myself? And the hope was answering that question. And realizing that it means a lot about how I love myself, which then also changes how I love others. That's so good. So uh, yeah, like Man, I said, I, like I said, I even get frustrated because there's no way to, no. to like cast a vision for that because it, it's so individualized. Yeah. But what I can say is, so many of the lies I believed about myself, I don't believe anymore. Man. And I love it. that's that's see, remember I said there's gonna be the crystallizing like the ADHD <laughs> is gonna get it on the second try. That's what I would want somebody to fall in love with is the idea of what if I could get to a place 
where I no longer believe the lies about myself. Mm. Truly, right? Because we all do a great job of burying the things we believe about ourselves, the bad things we believe about ourselves under distractions and things like that. I mean, what if there was a way to embrace so much of God's love that it's not just that you buried those things, those lies you believe about yourself. What if they were gone? Wow. How much freedom would you have to share your story? Come on. How much strength would you have to walk alongside others and to walk alongside yourself? How much more empowered would you be to look at others and say, you deserve better, but also how much power would you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I deserve better? Yeah. Because if you can say it to somebody else but not yourself, you're still believing some lies about yourself. If you can say it about yourself but not about others, you're still believing lies about others. Yeah. What if you could just be rid of that? Man. Wow. That's, dude, so powerful. And you said it best, honestly, that that is good news to understand that having that breakthrough on the other side of your grief, letting grief do its job. That, that stuck with me, and I'm going to take that with me in Please my do. own personal life. But like you said, anybody listening in, your what you went through, what we go through, it's crazy because we're – we're all so much more alike than we're different, you know? Yeah. And having these conversations, having community, having friendship, this brings healing. This is healing me right now. It's healing me too. I mean, you were one of the ones, I mean, since we've done enough of self, I've done enough self-promotion, you were one of the ones who sat there and listened to me when I was going through everything and said, you're not crazy. You know, I real I see what's going on. I see that you fought as hard as you could. And that was part of the gateway for me to start believing those things about myself because I think even when I was sitting there fighting to save my marriage to someone who was hurting me, fighting to protect my daughter, fighting for all those things, I would still go home sometimes at night and be like, am I am I the crazy one? Am I the bad one? Am I are these lies that are being said about me true? And one of the gateways to unlocking the real truth about myself was a community who was around me and went, no, I will not accept that because people who loved me better than I loved myself. And that was part of the path to loving myself the way that not just the way that I, I should, but I would also say the way that God outlines in scripture, because I would do the same thing for others. I would look at friends who were in troubled spots or who were being hurt. And I would say, you deserve better, but I wouldn't say it to myself. Mm. So powerful. Well, Corey, I want to thank you so much for for sharing your story and, and being vulnerable enough and, and making time to come on and to encourage somebody that's listening in. And I, I, I truly hope that you took so much from Corey's story of hope. I, I know I'm taking so much, uh, but I just want to thank you, first of all. Oh, of course. And before we end this, um, tell us a little bit about what you got planned for the future. I know you said that. Once again, congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to your wedding. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to get an invite. I thought wow. I was an un- uncool friend that's like, yeah, we'll think about it. We'll put them on the wait list. I'm just kidding. I knew I was going to get an invite. Is this, a ba- is this a bad time to tell you I want you to be an usher at the wedding? My God. Well, oh yeah, I was going to do it after, but now you've got me in this place where I feel like I need to love on you. Well, so. you've heard it here first. Literally. I'm going to be an usher. There at it is. My friend Corey's wedding. This is going to be hilarious when my fiance listens to this later and is like, did you really ask him on the podcast? And I'm like, yeah, that wasn't scripted. This yeah, is literally. This he, just happened. This just happened. And this is just news to me. And now I'm super excited. And once again, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us a little bit about what. Um, what you have planned for for the future yeah um i would say what kind of makes the most sense to i guess you know either talk about or plug here is um i'm an amateur writer who is striving to become a professional writer so i very intentionally you know part of falling in love with yourself for the first time is it kind of unlocks your permission to say yes and no to things and uh writing is my passion but uh, when I met my fiance and we started dating, I was like, I probably need to give this my full attention. 
uh, along with great you. Great know. writer, by the way. Thank you. And plug. I, I want you to plug while we're on the topic. Plug your your blog. Yeah, uh, no. So I was about to, but I, I'm 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 uh, beachy, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, no, it's good. <laughs> I'm doing the ramp up of. I haven't written in almost a year because, ironically, it's been a while. Well, I wrote uh, I wrote a blog. I was just about to start a series on uh, the pitfalls of online dating, and I posted the first of a five part series on November twelfth last year. And on November sixteenth, I met Joy, who is now my fiance. <laughs> Shout out to Joy. Yeah, hey Joy. Um, so. Uh, so I took a what I would consider a necessary hiatus because saying yes to going all in with the woman who is not just the love of my life but who is also stepping into becoming a bonus mom to my daughter uh, and the work that goes into that and walking through that well together. Um, I just knew it was the right season to go. Uh, you know, writing has my heart, but there's a bigger yes right now, and the bigger yes is this family we're starting. So I would love to plug it um, because, yeah, my goal, I'm really hoping that uh, the wedding's coming up, and I'm really hoping that uh, come November uh, I'm going to be starting up with a new series on uh, some of the issues in the American church is my goal. So, yeah. Uh, That'll be spicy. Well, worked in the American church long enough that I, I can poke a few holes at it, but all from a place of love. My, my desire is for the— the church to get better. Absolutely. Um, I, I do not want to be a person who throws rocks from the outside. I would only comment on it if I'm willing to stay in it and make it better. And I, I hope that's what my ministry does. So, yeah. So uh, the blog is uh, Corey Learning Lessons. Uh, it's based on uh, – I used to have a tennis blog. Uh, Nick mentioned earlier how I would restring rackets at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. I used oh, to be a, yeah. I used to be a tennis coach and a racket tech. Uh, I was really immersed in that world, and I used to have a blog called Corey Teaches Tennis, and then that bridged into Corey Learning Lessons, and I think there was another one. Um, but the only one that's left now is my one where I write about life, theology, and uh, probably my greatest work, which I would love to point anyone to, is I wrote a – 10-part series last year on the topic of loving yourself. Uh, I called it As Yourself, just based on the, the verse. Uh, Super powerful, by the way. Yeah, so it's if you, if you liked what you heard here, it's basically the long version of how I went from a non-believer to fearful believer to free believer um, over, you know, the course of my whole life, basically. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, CoreyLearningLessons.wordpress.com until I, you know, actually buy the domain Corey Learning Lessons and I just go all in on it. And he will. Uh, Yeah, I will. Uh, (laughs) You can also look up, uh, I believe if you look up on Google, Letters from the Highlands. That's actually the title of the blog. Uh, It's based on the idea of uh, when I realized how far I had actually come in putting on the new man, I realized I wasn't at the bottom of the mountain anymore. I was on this great high plateau with God, uh, <laughs> the Highlands. And so I, the perspective of the blog is it's written from somebody who has wrestled with and discovered that he is uh, in good standing with his God and has the freedom to tell his story. I love that. So I love it. So yeah, awesome. CoreyLearningLessons.wordpress.com or search up Letters from the Highlands on WordPress. And yeah, uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there that – uh, is very raw and vulnerable, and uh, that's yeah. what we're all about here. Yeah, and I'm hoping for a future of that. And uh, yeah, I, besides that, getting married and working on a book. So it's the I love it, man. It's the big stuff. Well, I'm excited for you, man, and I'm super pumped to see where everything goes. And I mean, everything you <clears throat> you put your hands to is great. So that's, that's very sweet. I, I expect nothing but good things. But once again, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And yeah, thank you for having me. Let me know good. when you're hiring for a co-host if you need that. Just, I will. You know, just, hook, well, just put the word out. Like I said, it's the position opening soon. Uh-huh. You'll still have to put an application in. You'll still be considered. But 
your chances are pretty good since you've been on the show. You don't have to pay me. Does that <laughs> does that move me to the top of the pile? Actually, it does. Yeah, I didn't you're, know. you're in the higher consideration. Yeah, I had now. a feeling. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Corey. And for everybody else, um, just wanted to shout out what I have going on. Always remember that you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Good News Sessions. Twitter, it's Good News Always underscore. I'm on TikTok. Good news sessions as well. You can find me on Facebook. Have a lot of other things planned. We have another podcast episode coming up with another amazing friend of mine. His name is John, and we're going to be diving into his life. He is an amazing chef, owns a business, and he's going to be dropping some amazing bombs. So I'm super excited. So remember, always share good news, inspire good news, love the people you encounter. 